Thinking Aloud, conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today we are going to explore the concept of synchronicity. With me is Professor Christian De Quincey, who is Dean of Consciousness Studies at the University of Philosophical Research. He is also on the faculty of John F. Kennedy University and Sophia University. He is the founder and director of the Wisdom Academy and has also written many books, including Radical Nature, Radical Knowing, Consciousness from Zombies to Angels, Deep Spirit, Cracking the Noetic Code, and Blind Spots, 21 Good Reasons to Think Before You Talk. Welcome again, Christian. Hello, Jeffrey. Good to be here again. Good to be with you. Synchronicity is a concept that was introduced into the modern Western vocabulary, largely through the writings of the great Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung. Yes, um, and he defined it, interestingly, as an a-causal connection through meaning. He mm -hmm. was basically referring to what in the vernacular is often referred to as coincidences. But not just coincidences. No, that's what he was pointing out, is that these are not just coincidences, mm -hmm. that there's actually some deeper meaning happening here and deeper, a deeper connection. A coincidence is usually two events that happen simultaneously but have no relationship, no, no connection. What Jung was pointing out is that in synchronicity, we have two events happening simultaneously. However, they are deeply connected, but they're not connected through any cause-effect relationship. They're connected through acausally, meaning without any cause. They're connected through meaning, shared meaning. So he's suggesting that the meaning... Uh is more than a coincidence, though, because every, well, every coincidence would be a-causal, presumably. Every coincidence would be a-causal, but not every a-causal coincidence is only a coincidence. It's also mm -hmm. a synchronicity when it involves an experience of mm -hmm. deep and meaningful... And I think when Jung introduced the term, being a dynamic psychiatrist looking at the depths of the unconscious yes. mind, mm -hmm. he was thinking about how people, uh, well, the classic example is a patient describing a, a dream in, uh, in which the Egyptian scarab beetle appears, and as uh, she's describing her dream, there's a tapping on the window, and outside is a, a large beetle making a, a big fuss and a big noise mm -hmm. at the very same time the dream is being described, as, as if to sort of punctuate the dream, uh, to say this is important. Yes, and, and, and of course, that young being uh, very alert pointed out, he said, that's exactly what I mean by synchronicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the, the dreamer was impressed by the co coincidence that mm -hmm. a scarab, golden scarab beetle should appear in, at a window in Switzerland. I, I think that's where it was at the time. Yeah. Nevertheless, just at the moment when she was recounting a dream, that where a scarab beetle appeared that had very deep significance for her in the dream, this real actual beetle tapped on the window. Um, 
Was that just a coincidence? Well, it certainly was a coincidence, but it was very clearly a deeply meaningful coincidence for both Young and his mm-hmm. client, and, and, and he used that as an example of a synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of people today, when they use the term synchronicity, and uh, what they really are thinking is that there's some other agency involved in causing them. For example, John Lilly, a very popular writer, mm-hmm. talked about uh, two dolphins, <laughs> as it were, mm-hmm. uh, earth coincidence control. He called them echo, earth coincidence control, as if somewhere in in a another realm, a spirit realm, or mm-hmm. a, a divine realm of some sort, someone's pulling the strings. The, we're all part of uh, a larger game. Uh, I think Lily would be comfortable calling it a game, and uh, that's the source of these synchronicities. Yes, and it's very interesting how we seem to be conditioned, whether it's genetic or whether it's cultural, remains open to to investigation. But we seem to be conditioned to think mechanistically. A mechanism is essentially uh, something that causes something in one point of space that then transfers energy across space to some other point in space. Mm -hmm. And so we're always looking for these physical causes, these mechanistic causes to account for the events that that happen that that we are aware of. What Jung was emphasizing is that there are events that happen that are not related through sharing of energy but are causally but are related a causally non-causally through a sharing of meaning Mm -hmm. that doesn't involve the transmission of energy through space one of the one of the reasons i'm attracted to the idea of synchronicity is because it is consistent with the uh, with the understanding that consciousness the psyche is not something that occurs in space it is aspatial or non-spatial mm-hmm. and therefore distance doesn't have any relevance to communication through meaning in consciousness mm-hmm. consciousness communicates through meaning energy communicates through mechanism well you in our previous interviews have often referred to yourself as a panpsychist mm-hmm. sometimes as a panexperientialist by which you mean that there is a consciousness that pervades the universe from top to bottom. Yes, yes, that that consciousness is intrinsic to the universe, Mm -hmm. that every molecule, every atom, every subatomic particle in the universe has its own degree of consciousness, its own degree of sentience, and that all beings are constantly feeling and communicating telepathically with all other beings. They're obviously molecules and single cells don't have senses, so they're not communicating through sensory communication. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, they are communicating non-sensory, extrasensory, telepathically. So one might think of these synchronicities as messages from the universe as a whole. That's how I would re- I, that's how I would describe them. Mm-hmm. Um, again, going back to the panpsychist perspective, I often talk about what I call the cosmic democracy, that the universe is populated by innumerable gazillions of gazillions of sentient beings, mm-hmm. and every sentient being from the smallest quantum to the largest organism is making choices at every moment. And and so we might think there would be a cacophony of, of choices being made. And in some ways, you could say there is, but also there is a harmony that each of us gets to vote in the mm-hmm. cosmic democracy, but none of us gets to decide the outcome. The outcome is decided by the community of choices 
that are made at any particular moment. So these choices are being uh, picked up by our psyches, that every being, mm -hmm. from the perspective of the, the panpsychist cosmology, every sentient being is in communication ultimately with every other sentient being. So we are picking up messages, not just from the people around us, or indeed other animals around us, or from the natural world on, on the planet Earth, but ultimately we are picking up meaning and messages from the entire cosmos mm -hmm. at every moment. The parapsychologists have looked at the concept of synchronicity in many different ways. Some suggest that often synchronicities occur as a result of precognition. Uh, an example mm -hmm. might be, uh, I'm driving on the freeway and accidentally mm -hmm. I take a wrong turn. So I, I've exited on the wrong exit, but lo and behold, I've avoided an accident mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. way. Uh, yeah, I, fi I find the idea of precognition fascinating because mm -hmm. clearly there are so many examples of ostensibly pick people picking up information from the future. Yes. But however, as a, as a philosopher, I've investigated the idea mm -hmm. of precognition, and it seems to me that that cannot really be what's happening. Mm -hmm. And why do I say that? Well, time. Mm -hmm. In one of my books called Blind Spots, I talk about, uh, I critique the idea that time is an illusion, yes. that, that everything takes time. So what is time? Well, time is the difference between present, past, and future. Uh, past, present, and future. The past is events that have happened. The present is events that are happening, and the future is events that have yet to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, since the future consists of events that have yet to happen, the future doesn't yet exist by definition. Mm -hmm. If the future did exist, then it wouldn't be the future, it would be the present. So, by definition, the future doesn't yet exist. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we cannot be picking up information from something that doesn't exist. So, we're not picking up information from the future in ostensible cases of precognition. So, what's going on? Because there's the phenomenon is there. So, here's what I think is happening, yes. is that in sufficiently sensitive enough states of awareness of consciousness, people are tapping into the quantum probabilities that are unfolding in the present mm -hmm. moment. And so that precognition is really a form of deep telepathy that we are communicating, picking up information from the quantum probabilities in the present moment, and we are able to read the trajectory of the unfolding of the quantum probabilities and the more sensitive we are to those probabilities, the more um, likely we are to sense what the likely outcome would be. Mm -hmm. So precognition is not reading the future, it's a deep reading of the present moment. Well, may I challenge that a Please little? Please do. A, a, a little bit, yes, because yes. What, what you're doing here is you're taking a philosophical uh, position, you're using logic to try and address what might ultimately be a scientific question that could be answered through research and experiment that might have an empirical answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and philosophers do this often, and uh, for good reason. I mean, we do want things to be logically consistent, but mm -hmm. isn't it the case that any form of logic, such as is the one you've just explicated, starts with assumptions? And we, we've talked about the need mm -hmm. to always question our assumptions, and mm -hmm. it seems that many times it, it turns out that uh, so at some future time, you'll we'll learn that the assumptions aren't quite correct. That's very possible. That's mm -hmm. very possible. And as a philosopher, I'm very yeah. aware of the limitations of logic and reason. Yeah. 
and I'm, I'm in love with logic and reason mm -hmm. as a philosopher. And part of the reason I love logic and reason is that it's logic and reason that tells me that logic and reason has limits. There are limits to logic and reason. Mm -hmm. And reason also tells me that the edge of logic and reason is not the edge of knowledge, nor is it necessarily the edge of reality. That there may well be. It's logical and reasonable to be open to the possibility that there are domains of reality that transcend what reason can achieve and that um, we need some other mode of knowing to enter that yeah. level of reality. All of that is what reason tells us. Mm -hmm. It tells us that the edge of reason is not necessarily the edge of reality or the edge of knowing, that there may be other ways of knowing that can give us access to mm -hmm. other domains of reality. Reason tells us that. But reason cannot make the leap from here to there. We need to shift into some other way of knowing. Now, to do with that. regard to precognition, uh, mm -hmm. of course, what you're saying is is one potential interpretation that we're reading the probabilities, even at the quantum physical level of uh, probability mm -hmm. waves, Schrodinger waves, yes. as they're sometimes called. Right. Uh, but I do know that in the field of quantum physics, there's a lot of interest these days in what's sometimes called backwards causality. Mm. That at the quantum level, uh, mm. time doesn't necessarily only move in one direction. It can move just as easily, uh, symmetrically, backwards and forwards. So ah, okay. There, there may be uh, other other solutions to to the problems of uh, time. Yes, I've, I've, I'm glad you brought that up because I've looked at that, mm -hmm. and, and here's my my take on that: mm -hmm. is that, and it's something that um, uh, a, a philosopher and cosmologist that we both have known and admired for a long time, Arthur Young, yes. pointed out that um, that time, as discussed in physics. Is represented by the lowercase letter T, yeah. um, is not the time that we actually experience. That the, the, the time that physicists talk about is really a spatialized version of time, yes. and therefore isn't really time at all. It doesn't account for the experience of duration. Mm -hmm. Right now, if you and I were to close our eyes or indeed just continue with our conversation, we can feel that we are enduring from one moment to the next. Right. That's what time is, is mm -hmm. the experience of duration. Yeah. The T in physics does not account for that. It translates time into a form of space. Einstein did it, and yes, this was time. this was one of the, the reasons that Arthur Young felt uncomfortable with some of Einstein's mm -hmm. work is because he had denuded time. Yeah. He he sucked out its its durational experience and left us with a a naked husk that mm -hmm. isn't really time at all. It's just mm -hmm. time transformed into a spatial dimension, which doesn't really count for duration. Well, how does that relate now to our topic of synchronicity? Ah, okay, let's see. Um, synchronicity refers to two events occurring simultaneously in time. In time, yes. Simultaneity. So that is something that, it, and of course, synchronicity involves the experience of deep meaning. Mm -hmm. And as we discussed earlier in this conversation, meaning is something that occurs in consciousness, and consciousness is not something that exists in space, but it does exist in time. Consciousness is something, experience is something that we experience enduring from mm -hmm. moment to the next, as I, as I just mentioned. So consciousness transcends space, it's not a spatial phenomenon. Mm -hmm. 
which, which would bring me back then to the argument that maybe consciousness itself is the cause of a synchronistic event. I'll give you one example yes, yes, yes. Uh, from Carl Jung's writings. Yes. He and Freud were uh, very close to each other. I remember this one. Uh, yes, but yes, they yes. had a breaking up. They, mm-hmm. they uh, split from each other. And it was mm-hmm. a painful split because Jung was the favored student of Freud. Yes. He was like a son to Freud, but they they broke apart, and in in, in the process of doing so, they at one time had a, a heated discussion. And while they were talking, a loud crack appeared in the room. I think it was a heavy oak dresser or something. The wood just split apart, and Freud w- looked at it and was astonished. And Jung mm-hmm. felt a burning sensation in his gut, and he said to Freud, "It's going to happen again, one yes. more time." Yes, he knew. Yes, and yes, yes. then it happened, and and mm-hmm. you surely get the sense from that story that Jung felt that perhaps at a psychokinetic level he was about to cause that to occur. It was part of the energy the of, of this rupture between these two great figures in psychiatric history. Yeah, and of course, as we know, Freud was really angry at Jung for for underscoring the because Freud did, did not accept synchronicity as, as as Jung did. Here's what I think though as an alternative mm-hmm. explanation. Yeah. Rather than mm-hmm. Jung or Freud or the combination uh, psychokinetic psychokinetically occurring uh, mm-hmm. causing this rupture in the bookcase or the or the dress or whatever it was, that actually what was happening is that Jung was reading deeply into the quantum probabilities of what was happening in the bookcase or the dresser. Mm -hmm. And so he intuited what was about to unfold. Not that he caused it, but he was feeling the unfolding of what was about to happen. But it was more than that, in the the sense that that loud noise Mm -hmm. was an expression of the emotional tension between these men. Yes, yes, yes. That's the meaning. Yes, yes, yes. And so, again, from the panpsychist position, the, 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 the emotion, the, the, the energy of the anger and the frustration that both men were experiencing was itself experienced by the atoms and the molecules mm-hmm. in the room around them, including within the bookcase and or the dresser, whatever it yes. was. And so it was responding, sharing in the meaning. So that again underscores and supports Young's interpretation of synchronicity as an a-causal sharing of meaning, an a-causal mm-hmm. connection through meaning. It also suggests that consciousness itself uh, partakes of or, uh, more than just our bodies. That are, are, if everything is conscious, then our consciousness uh, partakes of all of that. Yes, that, that consciousness, because it's non-spatial, is universal. Mm-hmm. Is that all consciousness is aware of what's happening in every other sentient being. And so there is this sharing of meaning. I think... One of the reasons that we have evolved brains Mm -hmm. is as a filtering mechanism. We don't want to be bombarded with what William James called the the buzzing, the blooming, buzzing confusion of every piece of information entering us at every moment. How could we operate with that? So we have developed these brain mechanisms to Mm -hmm. filter out the information coming at us. No doubt we block out. Uh, 99.999% of everything we might otherwise experience. Yes, 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 yes. So we're very selective Mm -hmm. 
in in what we bring into the present moment. But what um, I would say, and I, I think this is consistent with Young, is that potentially we have access to all of that at every moment. And I think this is what shamanic practices do, and mystical and spiritual practices do, is they they uh, cultivate a quality of sensitivity in consciousness that allows us to expand or to to open up the, the the sluices of the filtering mechanism so we allow in more information. I've sometimes heard the human body described as spiritual tissue. It's sensitive. But mm. what you seem to be implying here is that spiritual tissue isn't just in the body. It's, it's all around us. Yeah, I would, I would say that all matter is spiritual tissue in that sense. Not just the human body, mm-hmm. but the body of every other animal, the body of plants, the, the body of the planet itself, the, the body of the galaxy and the cosmos mm-hmm. is spiritual tissue. Well, before we get too far out, yes, here, yes, yes, yes. Uh, let me bring up the concept of apophenia. Please do. Apophenia yeah. is uh, a psychiatric term. It's often associated with schizophrenia, but it, it's the projection of meaning into events where there really is no meaning. Uh, mm. uh, of course, that's a subjective thing, but mm. uh, many people who are experiencing mm. mental illness might believe that uh, if they turn on the radio and listen to, let's say, a Beatles song, that John Lennon wrote that song specifically to them. Mm-hmm. It's a message mm-hmm. from them. Or they turn on the radio and they hear aliens speaking to them. Uh, mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. projecting their own inner psyche onto the world at large and calling that a synchronicity. Mm-hmm. That would be an error. Yes. It's one of the things that I, I think we really need to pay attention to as philosophers, but as just people in general, is the difference between an experience and our interpretations of our experience. Mm-hmm. In an earlier conversation, I was saying that we need to um, cultivate far more awareness of our in-the-moment direct experience rather than rely on our beliefs and our belief systems that can get us into trouble. Yes. Um, however, the moment every one of us at every moment is having an experience. We don't have to do anything about that. It just comes with the package of being in existence, mm-hmm. is that every sentient being is having an experience at every moment. In the case of beings like us with a complex nervous system and a brain and a neocortex, we have the capacity to intellectually interpret the experience. And that happens almost automatically, instantaneously. We have an experience, we interpret the experience. The interpretation then gets solidified into a thought. The interpretation is a thought. It gets solidified into a belief system. Meanwhile, while we're going through the process of solidifying our interpretations, some other time has moved on and some other, some new experience is happening. But we are no longer paying attention to the new experience in the present moment. We are now caught up in the abstractions of the thoughts that relate to an experience that no longer is. So in that sense, thoughts and beliefs always take us away from the reality of what's happening in the moment. And that's why I think psycho-spiritual practices are designed to bring us back into the current moment so we can experience reality as it is happening rather than our interpretations of reality. Mm-hmm. I think in schizophrenia, what happens is that, and in, in that sense, each one of us is schizophrenic to some degree to the extent that we 
um, believe our interpretations of our experience to be the reality, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than the experience itself being the reality. Mm. Well, and, and we do this all the time, uh, mm. moment by moment. We're always interpreting. Yes. After yes. all, you're mm. speaking to me and I need to mm. interpret your concepts uh, before I reply. Exactly. And also what I think enhances our communication is as well as in cognitively interpreting each other's linguistic utterances, is that we feel our connection. Yeah. We feel each other. We feel our own bodies in the moment and then feel the relatedness between us. Mm -hmm. That, I think, gives a deeper and richer texture to the quality of the speaking that we have. And if we feel our thinking rather than just think our thoughts and speak in abstractions, if if our communication is deeply embodied, it's going to have a richer texture to it and, and a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. Well, coming back around to synchronicity yeah. and, and the issue of, it seems there are two issues. One, as you mentioned, is the consciousness that pervades the entire universe. So, there's no reason to think that we could not be receiving messages from the universe, mm -hmm. perhaps all the time, mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in fact, mm -hmm. uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, to avoid the pitfall of assuming that somehow we are special and that the universe has, is trying to uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, communicate to us perhaps in a way that reinforces our own mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. dark side or our own mm -hmm. ego or, mm -hmm. or something. There, there are so many pitfalls on every spiritual path. Yes. And uh, synchronicity being uh, a perfect example, it can seem so sublime on the one hand and so ridiculous at the, at the same time on the other. Yeah, so we need to, I think, be, be attentive to uh, two different meanings of the word meaning. Mm -hmm. There is symbolic meaning, which is the, the meaning that involves interpretation. But then there's experiential meaning. The, 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 the meaning, I define meaning as the experiential fit between self and other, between self and non-self. So, for me, my life is meaningful, not to the extent that I can have interpretations that are coherent, That's, that can be useful, but it's meaningful to the sense that I experience myself fitting into my world. Then my life is meaning. If I'm a misfit, then my life lacks meaning. So, meaning is an experienced fit between self and what lies beyond the self. Very elegantly put, Christian De Quincey. Thank you so much for sharing this half hour with me on uh, the elusive topic of synchronicity. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for being with us.